call, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I am here today with Dr. Jessie Benson. We are going to talk about authenticity and what she feels like is the key to happiness. So let's jump into our conversation and then stick around afterwards for my kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Jessie Benson. Girl, it's so great to have you here on the podcast with me today. Yay, I'm so glad to be here. I've been really excited to share this time with you. So yay, we're here. I know, my schedule is a hot mess. You like scheduled way back and we finally have got the time, space, energy to sit in each other's presence and I'm really excited. So tell everybody out in podcasting world a little bit about your fabulous self and what you're doing in the world. Oh gosh. So, well, the main thing that I'm doing, well, there really isn't a main thing. I'm a life coach. I left medicine. I was an anesthesiologist and an ICU physician for almost a decade. And I left that in 2014. And I left that to be a life coach, which I do now, and also a professional artist, which I do now. And I'm a homesteader, which means I grow a lot of my own food, bake my own bread. I just finished building my house, which took four years with two people. So yeah, those are the things I do now. (laughs) I love it. So many good things. So many similarities between us. And the word you're bringing today is authenticity. Tell me a little bit about why you picked this word. I picked that word because that was the key to my happiness. And it was what opened up the world to me. And it is what made it possible for me to have every ounce of happiness that I have now. And what happened was I spent my whole life in the opposite way in in authenticity. For me, that meant chasing approval, chasing achievement. That's how I ended up a doctor, chasing approval and chasing achievement. And I realized I was not living my life. I was living life that I thought other people would approve of. And that's when I found my authenticity and I, the whole world opened up to me then. And so that's why that's the word because it's the most important word in my life. That moment where you really realized that you were being inauthentic, was it like several or was it kind of like a eureka? It was several. And I just had this feeling of being empty. I felt like I didn't know me. I felt like invisible and empty and little bits made me realize it. Like people would ask me things I like and I couldn't even answer. I could answer what I thought they would want me to answer. I like football. I like this. I like that. But I realized I really didn't even know what I liked. And so it was little moments. And then one big moment where I really, truly realized I have been living a life that is no way what I want. And in fact, I don't even know what I want. So it was both. It was like sort of like little steps that led to the big aha. And tell me about, because I know we have a lot of listeners out there who are in that like searching, seeking mode of like, not this, but what? What was your journey like at that moment? Well, the cool thing was and is because I was wanting approval so badly, I was a perfectionist because I believed in my mind that how well I could do something was how much I was worth. And that meant who was going to like me. So I wouldn't try anything. So my, my journey went from being a perfectionist 
who would never try music, never try art, never try sports, because I didn't try anything that I thought I wasn't going to get the A in. And that meant nothing except school. And so my journey, when I realized that that equation was wrong, that I just have value because I have value, I don't need to achieve to have value, then that perfectionism dropped. And then my journey opened up completely because then I could try anything and do anything because I was no longer afraid to fail. And it really was in a moment. It was, I went from trying nothing to becoming a cellist, doing sprint triathlons, becoming a professional artist. Once I no longer had that barrier of fear of failing, I could do anything. Yeah. It's like you took off the walls and just like gave yourself permission. 100%, 100%. And it has been amazing. And it's been six years, well, probably even like eight years, maybe nine, since I had that understanding that I was such a deep perfectionist and that I didn't have to be because I could fail at everything and I still had value and people would still love me and it would all still be okay. And it was a wall. And when that came down, I just went wide open. (laughs) You know, I like just, I wanted to try every instrument, every type of art every sport I just wanted to explore because I had 30 some years of like exploration blocked that I made up for lost time. So give us a few examples of stuff that you tried and what you've hung on to. So the main thing was art and music and in art, I just went to the art store and bought all sorts of things. And I was a physician then with the physician salary. So I had that liberty to just go and be like, I want to buy this and I want to buy that. And um, so I just bought whatever. I bought charcoals and I bought watercolor and I bought ink. Finally, what I ended up with, to answer your question about that, is beeswax painting. So that's what I do now. It's called encaustic. And I bought the supplies for that in about 2012. And then in 13, came up with the original technique that I use now. And that's what stuck. I still do other things like printmaking or make cards. But my beeswax and oil paintings have stayed with me for seven years now, and I imagine they'll stay a while. And then music, I tried any instrument someone would let me play. I want to try guitar. I want to try piano. And the thing, the instrument that really stuck with me was cello. I became a cellist. I got real deal professional lessons from a fella in the symphony in Raleigh and dedicated myself to that instrument. And so that's the main one that has stuck with me. Yeah. And through your like, just giving yourself permission to try and to fall flat on your face. And I always say it's not failure. It's always feedback. That's what life is. It's all about like the experience. It's not about the end because we all know we all have the same end. We all die. Like we all have that expiration date. So why not like fill it with so much? Yes. You are singing my song. <laughs> like I, my goal is enjoy life. It, my goal used to be, get as many people to like me and approve of me and get as many straight A's as I can and doctors of the quarter and best fellow and you know those sorts of things. That's what I used to collect. Now what I collect is enjoyment. Every moment of every day, I want to enjoy where I am, who I'm with, what I'm doing. I just, I want to enjoy this life because like you said, there is an expiration date and I live my life every day. If this was the expiration date, is this what I want to be doing? And most of the time these days, it's always yes. I'm the same way. My, 2014 was like my shittiest year ever, kind of like what you're saying when, when you made some big changes. And so I look back to that woman and I just empathize for her because I'm like, you just don't know how good it's going to get. It's going to be all so much better from here. And like my tagline that I tell my husband that I want, like, I don't want a tombstone. I want a bench in the middle of the woods. 
for someone to find and sit on. But I wanted to say, damn, she really lived. Aaron Weitzman. <laughs> just give me chills. Yes, 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 yes. 100 yeses. Live, 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 live. And that's what authenticity is for me, is I wasn't really living until I was authentic. I like to think of it like one ounce of living with authenticity is worth tons of living inauthentically. It's just one drop of authenticity is worth all of the inauthenticity combined. And talk about that a little bit, because, you know, at coaching and I'm coaching as well, people come to us and they want the authentic life. They want to like get up in the morning and love their life. But they're so entrenched about like, what about the money, Aaron? What about the kids 529 plans? What about the bills? What about all the patient load? Talk a little bit about like that trade off. And then I'll give my side of it, too, because there is. I call it the golden handcuffs, but go ahead and talk like that, that one ounce of authenticity measured up against all of that other stuff. People will say, how did you walk away from, you know, as an anesthesiologist, so I made good money. How did you walk away from you know, multiple six figures, the term people use now? It was so easy because money just did not make me happy. Like there, there was no amount of money that could, it could have tripled my salary and I wasn't going to stay there because in the end, I would rather have less and be me and be happy than to have more and be doing something that's not me. It just, there's no competition in that. There's no salary that's going to make me do something that's not right for myself. And so I have less bills, less things, but I, I don't mind it because every morning when I wake up, I'm doing what I want. And so I can't maybe go, I don't know, do some like year long cruise around the world, but I don't mind because I wake, I don't need to go take a year long cruise around the world because every day of my life is my dream life. So I just live with less. Yeah. Cause I think that's a huge part for so many people is when they're, they know they need a transition in their life. They know they need to make changes that they get stuck with like the money and the things like, Oh my gosh, if I change things, it's going to disrupt things. But I love how you put it. Like, no, like the disruption was actually the best thing. You drove around the country in an RV, <laughs> built your own house. Yes, those are both very true. When I first left medicine, I finished my life coach school. I finished yoga teacher training. I finished meditation teacher training. And then Halloween of 15 rolled out in a 40 foot RV with my cousin. And we traveled the country for eight months and visited so many national parks and so many state parks. And we hiked somewhere new just about every three days for eight months. And it was a dream. It was so dang cool. Yeah. And you know, there's no amount of being in the OR or being in the ICU or being in the clinic. Like if you intentionally pick your experiences, that's where that authenticity and that magic is. But if you're just like slaving away for the man, it's not worth it. It's not worth the paycheck every two weeks. It's not. And so what I did, because I had a $250,000 medical school debt, and I always had the goal of retiring early. I didn't, I thought I was going to ride out medicine for a certain number of years and retire early. And so I always lived modestly because I always had that goal. And so I didn't get in trappings of like a really expensive car, very expensive house, expensive memberships to things. I, I thankfully didn't have to pull away from those because I never got in those in the first place. And I just spent all my extra money paying off my debt so I could get free. That's how I saw it. Like, Every check I sent was freedom because I knew that if I didn't stay in medicine and pay off that debt, that it was going to be financially very hard for me 
to transition. So I may pay off that debt number one in my life because I knew that's where my freedom was, was getting that debt gone. And then I needed a lot less to live on. And so I made that my goal. So someone who's wanting to leave to really buckle down, if you really want to leave, pay off that debt, maybe get a smaller house, take less vacations, because every person has to decide what their freedom's worth. And my freedom doesn't have a price. I'm going to get out and do what I want. And no amount of money or things is worth it to give up my freedom. When you got super intentional on your student loan debt, how quick were you able to knock it out? I paid it off over eight years. That's how long I practiced from like finishing residency and ICU fellowship for eight years. And I was sending those, I mean, I was sending $10,000 checks sometimes because it was a quarter of a million, which I know some people now it's even more because, you know, I finished school in 02. And so I just, I would write those $10,000 checks. Like I, I would be excited about it. Every time I did it, I wasn't grumpy about it. I was like, yes, one step closer to freedom, one step closer to freedom. And when I wrote that last one, it was like, I got the key to the lock. Yeah. And did you turn in your notice then? I actually turned in my, I turned in my notice three months later. So I paid off in 2000, 2014, same year as you. I paid off my school debt in March. And then on Fourth of July weekend, I gave my practice a six-month notice because it's hard to find someone that's board certified in anesthesiology and critical care medicine. And I wanted them to really have a good candidate. So I gave them six months instead of the three that I was required. And um, I just wrote out those six months and figured out what else I was going to do. That's when I enrolled in life coach school and yoga school and meditation school. Yeah. Because the walls were gone. You could do whatever you fucking wanted to. And I still can, which is, it's just like gotten better. It has gotten better. And people are like, do you miss it? I'm like, no, are you kidding me? Like I'm looking out right now at a beautiful mountain. I live in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia on the prettiest five and a half acres I could ever dream of. I have a sweet little pond. I built my dream house. I have this sweet little art studio and, and I love it. Every little bit of it, but it, it is taking work. Like I've had to work, you know, I've had to do what it takes, but I'm willing to do what it takes. And everyone has to decide for themselves what they want and what they're willing to do to get it. Yeah. I tell women all the time. I'm like, don't be afraid of hard work. You've already proven you can work. You can work. So now you get to decide how you want to work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we forget we have that choice. And another thing that I find people forget is that you can even be happy. Like they don't even have the expectation that they can live their dream life. It seems impossible, but it's really not. It takes steps. And if you don't start, you never get there. But it is absolutely possible to to live a dream life. And I know it because I do. And you're walking your talk. And that's what I love. As we had talked about your brave is beautiful circle, that you're essentially bringing female physicians in to find their brave. Mm -hmm. And mingling in creativity and mindfulness and the coaching side and like all the things that helped you that now you are gifting out. So talk a little bit more about your brave is beautiful. I think it sounds awesome. I love to elevate other coaches. So I know there's some other women out there that are listening to this or even, you know, if you're a man that but this resonates with you, listen in. Yes. So when about 2011 or 12 is when I really had all these realizations that we've been talking about. And when I decided that I wanted to have a year long program, I built the program that I would have wanted then. That was exactly what would have fast tracked me into living my authentic life, being creative, whatever that means to me. 
having a job that I love, being real in my relationships, so I'm not real with resentment because I'm constantly saying yes when I really want to say no, just all of it. And I put it all together. And that's what I want to help women do as a group. So it's, it's group, one-on-one, but a lot of groups so we can all help each other. Yeah, I think that's so important. That's like my workbook that I wrote. You were sending out paintings. I'm sending out books today. And it's the exact workbook that I wish I had. I wish I had had that in my hand for somebody to like, here, start here. And I think that's awesome about your Brave is Beautiful Circle too. So yeah, I'll put all of the links in the show notes. You can check out more about Jessie, what she's doing, hang out with her. Hell, we all need a little bit more beeswax in our life. So (laughs) we're going to have to look at your art as well. Thank you. Yeah, that would be super cool. Well, I'm so excited to call you friend and colleague. Yes. Thank you, Erin. I have just, I've been seeing you on the social media and I thought I cannot wait to spend time with her. And I'm so glad we did. Right. Let's talk about our kick of encouragement for today. Golden handcuffs. You know, I love to talk about them. And I think it's so important that I give you some examples. I tell you how the handcuffs can get tighter, but then also how you can gain freedom when you feel like you are trapped by golden handcuffs. So golden handcuffs are a term that's used actually in the financial institutions and more in the business realm, but it started to come over into healthcare and medicine. And it's a term used when a corporation or a business gives high earners some sort of perks, incentives, or uh, disincentives so that they feel like they're bound to their job. Sound familiar? So let me give you some examples that I thought of, of golden handcuffs within healthcare. Free food, t-shirts, you get your cell phone compensated for, you use your company email for personal email, you have all of your friends in your office or hospital setting, there's a non-compete in your contract, bonuses, getting great medical plan, you're compensated on a productivity-based model, you have good retirement contributions or loan repayments. I don't know about you, but that feels like 100% of what a typical employee contract for a physician is. Maybe it's just me, but those are all examples of potential golden handcuffs in medicine. And so things that tighten the handcuffs are if you are the sole breadwinner or the single income in your home, if you have expenses like braces, cars, college going on in your household, If you have multiple monthly payments that you're making on student loans, homes, multiple cars, other sets of real estate, you know, big multiple payments. The other thing that tightens handcuffs is if you are house poor. So meaning that a majority of your income is paying for your home. The other thing that can tighten handcuffs are if your parents worked or currently work in a similar setting that you do. It's that intergenerational pressure of the handcuff. Also, what can tighten your handcuffs are if you don't have an income backup plan or that you realize that you don't have any choice in this, but you always have choice. 
So thinking about those examples of what golden handcuffs feel like, how they get tightened, I really want to encourage you that you absolutely can break free. You always can take off the golden handcuffs. You have control. You also can tolerate and ignore the golden handcuffs if it's not for you. But make sure that you're not doing this out of a place of fear or scarcity, that you're afraid to take them off. Kind of one of those, like, I'm just not going to look at it, so it's not there. It's okay, and it's fine to work for these golden handcuffs and have all these benefits. But it's not okay if you feel like your freedom is being encroached upon and that you have no control. So let's talk about how you can break free. And these are not chronological steps. These are not like, this is how you have to do it plan. This is literally just a list that I came up with to start thinking about that. I would encourage every single person who's thinking about a job transition or how maybe they can get more control of their life, work with a coach. Okay, that's so important. It doesn't have to be me. It can be anybody. But first and foremost, you must have awareness of your golden handcuffs that they really are there. Two, you have to have so much crystal clear clarity on your situation. And that's why I emphasize really getting in touch with a coach because they're gonna be able to ask you questions. They're gonna be able to see outside the box and kind of poke holes in some of the illusions and the stories that you're telling yourself because you need to be really clear. Again, maybe it's not the time to take off the handcuffs, but it's at least to the point to get really clear about them. Number three, always remember that you have choice. You can take them off at any point. Will there be some kind of side effects from doing it? Yeah, of course, there definitely will be. But the point is, you have freedom in this. So don't get bogged down in thinking, oh my God, I am so stuck. You are not stuck. This is not your forever. Number four about breaking free is learning your options and also really digging into what is it that you really want? 90% of people who come to me first tell me, I don't even know what they want. And through the act of coaching and really digging in, we do figure that out eventually. Sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it changes. But that's so important, this number four, learning your options and then digging into what you really want. Number five is starting to make those small pivots and changes, like saying no or actually taking your day off or turning your phone off, turning the computer off, leaving at an appropriate time. You can make those small changes and it can make a big difference. And then number six is developing your plan. Again, I feel like this is best instituted when you're working with someone who has some experience in this, who can help you develop what your right steps are, what your right plan is, and can also help you pivot when of course life happens and things change like you get pregnant, or something happens with your parents, or it looks like we're all going to be homeschooling for the year. It's so important to realize that you're not doing anything wrong when those life events come up. And it's totally okay to be considering taking off the golden handcuffs when life happens. Because hashtag real life, it definitely is there. But also, you do not have to just be surviving, my friend, you can be thriving. One way that I have really helped people take off golden handcuffs is with my new course, Burnt Out to Badass. 
I'd love to invite you. Come get five hours of CME and learn how to move from a place of burnout into your total and utter badassery. New groups starting up in November. So if you want to jump in the group course, I'd love to have you. But you can start at any time with the self-paced. So I'll have the link in the show notes. Check it out. And remember, my friends, as always, your life, your calling, your pulse. Got something to ignore